Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome again to Fresh Hop Cinema. We are your favorite new or old podcast about Just craft beer and film. Or in general. Period. Or in general, yeah. If you've never heard the show before, thanks for tuning in. If you have heard the show before, thanks for coming back. My name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Summers, and together we are the best podcast in the universe. We hope so, at least. We hope that you will like us. If you do like us, please feel free to rate and review us Should wherever we you hope. We hope. <laughs> Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, that would mean a lot. Before we get into the show, I'd like to tell you what our show is like. If you've never heard it, it's a three-part show. We cover two beers and one movie. And the important thing to note about the movie, this week this movie is Blind Spotting, And it's in limited release around the country right now, so maybe you haven't seen it. Don't worry. We're not going to spoil anything without giving you plenty of warning. And that won't happen until the final section of our show called The Danger Zone. But before all that, we cover our first beer. It's a new beer in the world of craft beer. And it's from Lead Dog Brewing out of Reno. It's called For Redding with Love. We'll get into that in a minute. But after we talk about the beer, we talk about, in this case, blind spotting. We talk about some of our favorite things about it, some production facts, a bunch of cool stuff, but we don't spoil anything. We take a short break, come back. We cover our second and final beer of the episode. This week, it is from Latitude 33 out of San Diego. It's called Native Trails Black and Blue. And then we jump back into our movie and spoil some stuff. But again, we'll give you plenty of warning before that happens. So... Let's start the show. Let's start the show. Johnny Summers, please tell me a little bit about this beer, if you would. Yes, this is a beer, as young Maxwell said, by a brewery called Lead Dog, and it is called For Redding With Love. The reason for that is there has been one of the gnarliest fires ever. Or like a bunch of them, honestly. Like a bunch of them. Yeah, it's been terrible. This The t- city of Redding has just been absolutely really ravaged by yeah. fire and uh, they're doing a cool thing with this beer they're actually donating some of the proceeds of every sale to some of the charities that help the people that have been displaced or lost houses things like that yes so, a really cool thing man you see this kind of vibe in the beer community quite a bit where people help other people out i'm going to read the back of the can it is brewed on the front yard of amazing lake tahoe sometimes terrible things happen sometimes they happen to great people it's just part of life Reading has recently been plagued by one of the worst fires to hit, and we are here to help make life a little easier for these people. This hazy DIPA, or double IPA, Mm -hmm. is contributing a healthy donation towards families that have been impacted by this recent event. It's the least we can do, and stay strong. This beer's clocking in at 7.2% and 40 IBUs. Oh, I got 35 the, the internet told me 35 Ooh. and i'm gonna go with yours obviously but go with the internet because yeah. the internet doesn't lie neither does a can though maybe it was like a but there's not multiple batches of this that's very interesting I'm joking the internet totally lies yeah the internet oh okay sorry <laughs> <laughs> internet lies all the time uh okay so i'm very excited i also found out online this it said pale ale so i'm glad that we clarify this is a double ipa like you said 7.2 percent have you had much from lead dog before i've had a few things yeah yeah, yeah, they're um they're stouts. I've had the vanilla stout, chocolate vanilla, and then I've had a peanut butter stout from them, and then I think I've had a couple IPAs. Okay, they, yeah, they do a few different things, and they're around. So yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, they're in they're in Reno, and if you've ever heard the show before, you know that I, well, number one, I play music for a living, and I play often in Reno, usually about once a month. Yes, mostly and, show tunes. Yes, exclusively show tunes yeah. and polka. Yes. Um, no, but at, at the casino at the Pepper Mill where I play, they they have a a tap handle. For, for that's a loud siren. I wonder yeah. if that's going to pick up. Um, they have a lead dog IPA. It's not this one, but it's one of their their standard New England IPAs. Do you like? It's yeah. It's totally good. All right. Um, it's it, it doesn't like strike me as super amazing, but it's a very solid representation of the style. Yeah. Didn't we do one of their stouts on the show? I don't think so. Or did we just drink it? I remember drinking one. Yeah. I'm I'm a little fuzzy. There's there's a few like back between like episodes thirty and sixty or so that I'm a little bit fuzzy. Every episode between like one and I don't know now yeah. <laughs> are a little fuzzy for me. Uh-oh. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say I've drank them okay, and sure. I like them. Well, what are your thoughts on this one, dude? It's real nice. It's it's subtle. It's not crazy. It, I wouldn't have guessed that it's a double. That's for sure. Yeah. it's Well, okay. So it is pretty sweet. That'd be like my one indicator. Yep. Because um, it is very sweet up front, but, but it does mellow out. It doesn't give you that kind of lymph node swelling sweetness no and there's really not a great deal of hops on the finish yeah i catch a little bit on the back end barely yeah more on the tongue 
like back of the tongue, just a subtle bitterness. Yep. But it's not it's not crazy hoppy. It's real juicy. Yeah, it it's, is. It's definitely doing a lot of what the spirit's supposed to do. In the past several months, if not longer, you've expressed some reservations about this style of beer yeah. being a little bit overdone. What do you what do you think? How does this compare to to your overall feelings lately? I think it it kind of proves them true. Oh yeah? I don't know. Like how does it what do you and now de, define that question a little? I, I guess I mean like you know, it's easy to get if this were like a juice bomb, I think I know you would say something like, "Nah, I'm I've had enough of this style." Yeah. I'm wondering if you're still enjoying this given your recent predisposition, not against them, but but a little bit burned out. It's a little too sweet. Yeah, it's a little I sweet. I mean, it's it's there. It just it it's shying away from that beer taste. Yeah. For me. Yeah, but I mean, that's uh, this is always the debate with these. Like, that's what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder if people ever get tired of hearing me say the same thing about nobody said it. That's I like. We always yeah. mention it, but nobody's brought it up. So, yeah, and sure. I've had some talks with some different people about their thoughts on New England IPAs and the trends and how they come and go. And I don't know. I mean, done right, they're amazing. I think they for me they have to strike an even finer balance than for like most people. Mm. Not that I'm better than anyone, but it's mm. just I drink a lot of them and i'm i kind of want to be picky yeah a little bit uh this beer's solidly average for the style like it fits really well in with a lot of like the revision stuff that we've had lately last one being an exception because i don't think either of us liked it very much yeah yeah but i mean this holds its own for anything in this part of the world with like the moonrakers and the new glories of the world you think so because i think i think moonraker is still a step above this yeah yeah or you just said new glory as well right just in in general yeah, I mean, it's good, because when you think of sort of, I, I don't know, man, I've heard a lot of people debate that Moonraker is is on par, if not lately, when they were first getting going, because I haven't had their stuff recently, but they were right on par with like Treehouse and Trillium from the East Coast. Yeah, those are bold statements. I know. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that I've ever felt that strongly, but I have thought that Moonraker is very good, and I don't know that this is quite up there with Moonraker. Yeah, I haven't had much of their stuff in a long time either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that the hype died off of them pretty significantly i'd like to revisit some of their stuff i'm i'm sure it's still good yeah uh, it'd be fun to revisit like yojo like or like 33 and a third or some of their other hazies just after we've had a bunch of different ones and see how they rank now yeah yeah i think so too i um no this is good um yeah it's not it's not blowing me away but it's it's definitely enjoyable yeah it's it's solidly average and at, um, at around $5 for a can. It's not it's a, terrible. It's a pint can, yeah. And obviously you can't detract from the fact that it's going to a great cause. Agreed. You know? I think that should earn it some some extra points. Not to say that you can make a garbage beer yeah. and then just be like, but it's for a good cause. Yeah. I just, I feel myself not wanting to dump all over this beer either because right. it is for a good cause. Because in some sense, then you're dumping on the victims. That's not true. But <laughs> I want to acknowledge that we could totally hate on this beer and it would not mean that we don't care. About fire relief. Yeah, you obviously. Say that. Okay. I mean, shoot, you had a fundraiser for goodness sakes. Yeah. See, I've got I've got something invested here. I got you've, a you've got a soul in there somewhere. Yeah, we put well, I had a fundraiser for my album, put about two hundred and fifty dollars towards uh that, which is not a lot of money, but it's not nothing. Yeah. So, you know. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Glad that went well. So so number maybe not number one, but a big a big point in this beer is that it's making such a strong effort towards mm-hmm. an area that it's not really linked to. Like you don't think of Nevada as being someone that should have to throw in to help Northern California. Yeah. So I think it's really cool that they are. Yeah. Definitely breeds a strong sense of community and just taking care of your neighbors and being super, super supportive if things are going on in your part of the world. Yes. Uh, this beer does smell fantastic. I feel like I jumped straight in from the, from the visual and um, aromatic aspect straight to the taste, but it's, it's a good looking beer. It doesn't have a huge head or lacing that hangs around, but it's, it's good. It smells nice, very fruity. Um, it's a solidly average beer that I would drink again. Exactly. I'm not saying it's it's going to change the world. Yeah. But it is absolutely good enough for me. A couple episodes ago, we talked about, um, I think it was a couple ago, we talked about how... There we go with the blurriness again. No. Sometime in the past. That one's intentional. Um, the seven for me, the, the number seven out of 10 is the moment that I go from like, it's fine, to being like, this is good. And I think this is above a seven. This is, this is a good beer to me. Yeah. Oh, it's above a seven. I think so. Okay. Uh, maybe not by much, but it's it's good. It's enjoyable, and I would for sure reach for it again. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt, obviously, like what you're saying. Like, it's it's going towards a good cause. So it's, why, it's definitely you know. not bad. No. No, it's nowhere close to bad. Is it close to bad for you at all? I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think a lot of it's just my personal preference, too. 
which would possibly give it a bit more of a negative. But um, no, I mean, it's it's good. It's exactly what these beers are kind of going for. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it it doesn't... uh, Let's see, what... um, Again, on another episode, we covered a beer that was peach and mango. Mm -hmm. And this has less of the peachy kind of stuff as far as these fruit tastes go. It's got a lot of mango papaya... Um, that sort of tropical fruit flavor to yeah. it. and But like you said in the beginning, not a whole lot of hop bite on the back end, which is good because it shouldn't because it has either 35 or 40 right. IBUs. Yeah, no, this definitely hits all the marks for like a juicy, juicy IPA. Yeah. I would, um, I'm going to, it's definitely, I'm thinking it's right in that seven range for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that feels good. Okay. I've got my number. What is yours? Seven. Seven, exactly. I went 7.2. Whoa. Do you want to throw out the uh, the caveat for our rating system for the first time on the episode? Um, Like for my rating system? Just in, in, yeah, anything about our ratings. Oh. Some people rate things and they're very, like people listen. Like Roger Ebert rates movies and be like, well, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. We know what we're talking about. Absolutely. But, but we don't have any certifications except you. One, yeah. Which is important because you're a Cicerone, level one. Yes. Are you still doing the level two thing? Not as ad, no, but eventually maybe. Eventually maybe right. it yeah. takes up a lot of time and it, it's a lot of work and it's expensive. It is expensive and it's it's very very consuming and I've got this podcast to worry about. That's true. I, I can't go that. gallivanting across the world. No, you can't. Getting beer certificates. You got prioritization. I got one with a pin and a little certificate. Yeah, it's good enough for me. Yeah. Plus, most of the time we drink bourbon before the show anyway. That's fair. So yeah, it screws up the it's palate. It's fine. Um, well, okay. So I think, yeah, I mean, you're strictly not amateur, but like, yeah, I mean, I mean, technically I'm an amateur. Yeah. I don't know. You have a a podcast. I feel like that makes you professional enough. Yeah. I don't know if anybody in the professional field acknowledges that, but I think they should. I mean, we sit down once a week and discuss beers at length. I think you've been absorbing beers critically and evaluating their qualities long enough that you have a certain air of professionalism. Yeah, and I think another thing is what the format of our show or of a show at all, you have to be able to somewhat eloquent, eloquently, as the irony of messing up that word, <laughs> eloquently kind of express what you're tasting and justify why you're rating it the way you are. And I think that adds some experience a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, okay, 7.2 for me, 7 for you. That all seems right. reasonable. Yeah, And that's our take. Take it or leave it. Either way, if yes. you try this beer, let us know at all the social medias because we're on the Facebooks and yes, the Twitters and the Instagramifications. All at Fresh Hop Cinema. Yeah, and if you try this or just any old beer that you think we should get our lips on, get at us on those social medias because I like talking to all you beautiful people. Yeah, we should say too, I don't think we've plugged this in a while, we have koozies mm. that have our brand on them. So if you like drinking beers out of the can, or I actually found this out recently at a show, our koozies fit over a pint glass. Yeah. I, I brought... Uh, I didn't have koozies of my own at the time, so I brought ours to sell at my own show. Nice. <laughs> and I just put it in a pint glass. It worked great. So if you want a koozie, uh, message us on either, uh, I think probably Instagram or Twitter are the best options. Probably Instagram, because yeah. Johnny's on top of it. And we'll send you a koozie for free just for listening to the show. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Okay. Usually at this point in the show, we go to what we call hot and bothered, but I'm going to go ahead and make a motion that the film we're covering this week, Blind Spotting, is so good. And so important to talk about that we skip that and we just go to a break now and come back and talk about it without spoilers. What do you think? This movie is more important than you or me. Or me. Yeah. Or you. Or you. Yeah. Or you. Us. Us. All right. Well, let's go to a break. We'll come back and talk about it. We'll finish up this beer. And if our thoughts change, we'll be sure to update you. But if they don't, on to blind spotting. See you in a second. Hey, everybody, you know that we're a Chico-based podcast, so if you are a Chico-based person, go on down to Secret Trail Brewing and grab yourself a beer, drink a beer as you listen to this show. They are located at 132 Myers Street, right here on the south end of town. They make delicious stuff, and they support this podcast. Also, every Monday, they have an Explorer series. Johnny, what is that? So every single Monday, they crank out a beer that they've never done, and they might never do again. That's right. One single keg is available during their normal business hours from 3 to 9. Every single week, it's something different, new, exciting, maybe even crazy. That's right. Again, that's Secret Trail Brewing Company right here in Chico at 132 Myers Street. You can go down there, or you can follow them on social media at Secret Trail Brew Co. Live and drink off the beaten path.
can't catch me. I move too fast on the gas, don't chase me. That is the very intense trailer of a very intense film called Blind Spotting. It's written by David Diggs and Rafael Cazal, who are the two main actors. It was directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada. The synopsis given us generally. Why can't I say things? Yeah, I don't know. The, the, the main idea of the movie is what Max is given, about to read. Given to us generously by Rotten Tomatoes is this. Colin, played by David Diggs, must make it through his final three days of probation for a chance at a new beginning in his Oakland, California neighborhood. His bond with his volatile best friend, played by Rafael Cazal, soon gets tested when Colin sees a police officer shoot a suspect in the back during a chase through the streets. Mm. This movie came out on July 20th. Not exactly a lighthearted film. I would not call it lighthearted. No, it came out the 20th of July. It was not available to us then. It's in very limited release because it's an indie film uh, put out by Lionsgate Summit. It's a, I'm going to say it's a comedy and drama. It's a dark comedy. See, uh, I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. This movie's like a little bit of everything. I laughed so hard in this movie. I laughed. I welled up with tears. There was drama. There was a love story. Like It was a comedy. It was a very dark comedy at times. You know, it had elements of a lot of different genres. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, so many, uh, well, I'll say, so like we said, this was written by the two lead actors, and they've been working on this movie, tweaking it and trying to figure out when to release it for about 10 years. No kidding. Yeah, and and it's one of those things, like, this is such a, a socially topical movie that finding the right time to release it is paramount, and I think it came out at just the right time. It's very topical mm-hmm. and very important. Um yeah, I mean, I think I'll say a lot of similar things about this as I did about our episode on eighth grade. It's an important movie about people. Yeah. Um, and I I mean, I loved it, man. It's a really good, it's very intense at some points it deals with. I mean, police brutality is a huge theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gentrification of Oakland is a huge, I, as soon as I was watching that movie, like halfway through, I was like, as soon as I see uh, an article online, it's like, it's a love letter to Oakland. I'm going to give myself a dollar. And it, the internet was was alive with those types of comments. Cause it is, I mean, um, very rarely do you see in mainstream cinema and not that this is completely mainstream cinema, but, um, places like Oakland where, I mean, I don't think there's any way around it. Like where it's not white people as the main thing where it's, where it's poorer marginalized people being the focus of the, the film. Um, you usually see those types of neighborhoods, kind of condescended upon by the people filming them. Mm-hmm. So to see this kind of uh, more, what's, what's a good word? <clears throat> um, more uplifting sort of thing about showing culture in Oakland and objective too. Yeah. And making sort of the people coming in and trying to change it, but you know, not the good guys. Yeah. I think it was really refreshing. Um, <clears throat> acting in this movie mm-hmm. was amazing. Tremendous. We'll talk about David Diggs in a little bit. He was in Hamilton, if you're wondering where you've seen him. Um, he played a couple different people in that. He's also a rapper. 
which you, if you've seen this movie, you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, he's got a couple of moments, especially towards the end. There's this great monologue he has where it's just, oh, it's so good. I don't want to say anything about it now, but it's fantastic. It gets turned up to 11. Yeah, but he's in a, a solo hip-hop project. It's him and, and two other dudes. I don't know their names, but they're his producers. And his band is called Clipping. I don't know if you call it a band, but, you know, his project. Yeah. Um, it's this weird, like, it's hip-hop for sure. It's very poetic and um, articulate, but there's also, like, noisy, like, grungy, weird industrial sounds. Yeah, I think Death Grips means Nine Inch Nails. I don't know if that registers a lot of people. I know Nine Inch Nails. If but you get it, death. you get it. Death, right, grips, yeah, sure. death Grips are crazy. They're like death metal meets hardcore rap. There you go. Yes, they're crazy. Death yeah. Grips are ridiculous. So off the top also then, this movie is not for children. It's rated R. It's an hour and a half long. I think it could have been longer. It didn't need to be, but it, if, if it had kept going, I'd be all in because this movie's fantastic. Yeah, it ended and I wanted it to keep going. For sure. So, yeah. so you enjoyed this as well. Oh, yeah. Quite a bit, man. This movie was a journey. A journey into extremes, both... Uh, social, economical, racial, uh, any way you can imagine. Also, to d- d- dive into extremes of comedy versus weight of sure. of content. The one thing that struck me about this movie is it flips a switch so fast into just being so heavy. Like you feel like it's like a struggle to breathe to watch some of these scenes. I was so captivated and just deeply invested in the intensity. And not many films just grab you by the throat like that. Like, that's how I'm going to say it. This movie grabbed me by the throat and really just, like, told itself to me. Yeah. And it was it was amazing. I really loved the, the, the seriousness of the scenes. And then there's just the balance of the humor and the romance and so many different elements. It was an amazingly put together movie. Yeah. I mean, probably editing we should get to at some point. But there's, I, there, I think the moment went, so there the two characters work for a moving company. Yeah. They drive a moving truck and they move stuff. And mm-hmm. the um, main character, Colin, he's and miles. Yeah. And, and Colin and miles and Colin has to stay in Alameda County. Cause this is we're we're following him through his last three days of probation. Yeah. He's had a year of probation. We don't really explicitly know why he got arrested in the first place or went to jail. Yeah. Not at um, the beginning. Right. But that is explaining. There's something about setting being hipsters, hipsters being flammable or something. Yeah. I would just play it as a joke. And it's very funny when it's mentioned, but then we do get some of that backstory. It becomes very serious. In any case, uh, Colin is the driver because Miles should. Miles is kind of unstable, like we said in the synopsis. I love Miles. He's great and so volatile. I've had so many friends in my life like Miles. Yeah. Just always have something to prove. But also very charismatic and likable. Yeah, very likable. Dangerous. Silver-tongued, quick to violence. It's a very particular personality type and i think everyone will identify someone in their life with his character agreed it was fascinating to see that so well represented on screen yeah so good so they work for this moving company and and that's where we pick up we're we're three days left in the probation and um miles and a couple of the other friends like they he kind of runs um colin does with a you know what what the police people would call a rough crowd maybe kind of um, and, and that's kind of a point of contention throughout the whole movie. It's, it's no secret that, um, <clears throat> police, um, what's the word? Uh, I don't know. Persecution of people of color is a thing that happens in Oakland. It's mentioned that a lot of the police hired on to the Oakland police force are not from Oakland. They don't even live there. They hire outside the city so they don't get followed home and shot. Yeah, and and that's I mean that says a lot. There's I, this is a very intense movie, but the editing is what I was getting at. And the first scene you see them in a, in a moving truck, there's like a turn of the key in the ignition, a f- like the door shuts, foot on the gas pedal, and it's all done to a very Edgar Wright type of like doom, got the doom, boom, and then the song kicks in. So pleasing to watch. And the first second I saw it, I was like, okay. I'm going to pay attention to editing this whole movie and it's beautifully done. Mm-hmm. And, and that interspliced with the hip hop tendencies of both of these leads is great. There's some very ethereal scenes, whether it's like a dream scene or, or possibly a delusion or a hallucination. Um, they're great. It makes for really compelling storytelling. I agree. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And it gave, gave the whole movie like a rhythm. Yeah. Like this movie had a pulse. Yes. And I loved that pulse. Yeah, man. I mean, there's, there's so much, good to say about this movie it's i don't know that there's much i didn't like yeah it's it's up there with with my favorites of the year i think i i agree 
which is really good because we've had that poster on our studio wall for quite some time. Yeah. And I was really hoping that it was going to be as good as I thought it was. Yeah. And it um, was. I'm going to just say I've been meditating on it a lot because we just watched this movie not that long ago. Mm-hmm. I think this is my favorite movie of the year. Is that right? I think it is. It's good, man. I don't, you know, I don't blame you for that. I think it's, it's up there for me too. It's one of those movies. There was never a scene where I thought I could look away. Mm. Yeah. I actually had to get up and use the restroom at one point in this movie and I was mad at myself. Yeah. It's like, you should have friggin' thought about this. Don't lie. You were going to get more beer. Oh, I got a beer as well, but I had to, had to use the restroom <laughs> yeah. as well. But I was like, I might as well get a beer. Yeah. Also fun fact, the pageant sells beer. There we go. Uh, did we say that already? I don't know if we ever have. Okay. So it's a really cool thing. Yeah. This movie was screening at the pageant in uh, early September. So we, we got to catch that. Love the pageant. It's great. Yeah. Uh, we saw it on a Monday, which is when tickets are $4. I didn't even know. Which is a crime. This movie should not cost $4. Right. I would have paid $20 to see this movie had I known. I honestly kind of want to see it again. <clears throat> right. And that's the the tragedy of what we do. Because mm-hmm. we don't often have times to see movies twice. I know. I At least agree. until they come out. Yeah. So we were kind of discussing the arc of this a little bit, and it's it's following Colin on his last three days of probation, and there's one big thing that happens, and it's not spoiling anything. No, yeah. It's in the preview. He's driving his work truck home, and a gentleman runs in front of his vehicle right after the light turns green. We should say this is a, a person of color. Yeah. It's a okay. black guy. Yes. Yeah. And um, he almost hits him, or he kind of does bounce off a little, and he's running, and you see it out of his the driver's side window like in the mirror the yeah. big big truck mirror you see this guy running and you see a, a police officer run who is, who is white who is white run That's in front of his vehicle and say stop stop and you hear the black don't shoot don't shoot don't shoot and then the this white does. cop shoots him like five or six times yes rough which again like this is not necessarily a new phenomenon to no. to, to commentate on socially like white that, cops shooting black people is yeah. a thing um, but it seems heightened in the past couple of years. Yeah, and it's it's such a weird place because this, I mean, we're only maybe 15, 20 minutes into the movie at most. And we've already seen Colin, our main character here, be confronted with his friends just hanging out in their vehicle. And all of a sudden, there's what, seven, seven guns? guns? And he's like, guys, I have three days left on yeah. probation. There's seven guns. Why do you have seven guns? Yep. Um, so you're looking at this from his perspective of like trying to get through the next like three days without anything bad happening. And then this happens right in front of him. And this, this man is murdered. Yeah. And he's a witness to the whole thing. And it's explicitly stated during his probation hearing that you can don't do it. No, nothing. You don't get, yeah. No running with the police at all Mm -hmm. or you'll be right back in jail. Yep. So he's like faced with this and all these cops show up and they're like, get out of here. And he's like, all right, I guess I'm going to go. Yeah. And like just the emotional repercussions of that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. He deals with that the whole movie. You could say mm-hmm. that the rest of the movie is him kind of dealing with PTSD a little. Sure. You know, yeah. and, and that's where those like dream sequences and, and the there's some friggin' amazing scenes in this movie. A lot of them are like nightmare dream scenes. And I think that's what you want to get, you were getting at earlier. But those are some of my favorite scenes in this movie. I don't think that has to wait till the danger zone either. I think that doesn't give too much away. No. I don't know. I don't know how you would even describe it. Yeah, I don't know that you can. It's so... So much symbolism, too. Symbolism, and it's so ethereal and otherworldly, yet real. Yeah. And just ripe with symbolism, but yet so just pertinent. And, you know, it's like it's twisting a nerve, you know, that needs to get twisted. But it's it's this weird guilt... PTSD nightmare of him sitting in a courtroom and he's the one on trial and he's in an orange jumpsuit and the whole jury are black men dressed exactly like the guy that gets shot and his best friend is the prosecutor is the prosecutor telling him all kinds of crazy but things like in spitting verse yeah, like in hip hop in it's... lines and the judge is the cop that shot the guy and he starts spitting up bullets because he can't speak because his mouth is full of bullets and crazy dude Great it was scene. it was one of the most original moving crazy pieces of film that I've ever seen. Just that little 45 second to a minute was just unbelievable. I could not even, my words are failing to describe the the power and because it's all dark and there's flashing lights and lots of glowing reds and blues, like police lights. Um, Just fascinating, man. Some kind of stuff I think you're going to have to see for yourself to really grasp. But Probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. 
And then he wakes up to his buzzing alarm clock and like has to go to work. Right. And he just saw some guy get killed and he ends up bringing it up to, to miles in his kitchen. Oh, next, did he? Then remember the next morning they're getting their little, their son ready. And he's like, so I saw the cops shoot a guy last night. Oh, sure. Yeah. And he brings it up just like that. Right in front of the kid. Ugh. Yeah. I think he uses more explicit language. Yeah. Too, he, miles is like cover his kid. That's another thing. Like up to this point, when you see miles, you would not really assume I, maybe it's just me, I guess, but like he has like a stable home life with a child. You don't think family man? No, no, not a bit, but he does. And then that's like a whole nother level of stuff that, because like earlier Miles buys a gun and you're like, well, he's got a kid. That's probably going to come into play. Yeah. And I, I don't know, man, this movie deals with a lot of really heavy themes that I think are important to bring to light yeah. for people that maybe otherwise wouldn't think of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Also, from from the theme of gentrification standpoint, like Oakland is being taken over by white hipsters, mm-hmm. which I it would probably be called, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I laughed so many times until it wasn't funny, uh, which it was played as not funny. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So you have this arc of, of Miles just trying to get through those days, and then you see him trying to deal with all these emotions about what has happened because... You know that he can't really go be a witness. Yeah, he jo- he jokes about it. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna call the police." Okay, sure. Yeah, hey, right, guys. Hey, sorry, I saw you. I saw I witnessed a murder. Calling about this murder you committed last night. Yeah. Oh, you want me to go back to jail? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm what, a convicted felon. Yeah. What time tomorrow? Yeah, I'm free. <laughs> yeah, noon work for you. All right, I'll go back to jail. Yeah. Yeah, like he's trapped in this space where between conscience and self preservation. Yeah, which is not a good place to be. No, but I assume that's where a lot of people who have seen murders are trapped. Yeah. Which is something I would never have really thought about. Yeah. It's interesting to kind of draw comparisons between if you want to call like his subconscious dream state, we can call that a thing drawing comparisons between that and maybe the sunken place and get out kind of like this point where we're, Black people or people of color in general are, are powerless to fight against the system that is systematically oppressing them. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. I was just going to, I'll just be quiet, I guess. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. Those, those scenes and that, that kind of place is definitely like a conjuring of a lot of feelings that I'm sure tons of people in this country feel. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it was almost like a painting that just encapsulates a feeling, mm-hmm. you know, it was just so impressive. So well, yeah, this movie yeah. just goes on and kind of him dealing with all that and the story is how he gets through the next few days and the things yeah. that happen. Yeah. I think what we should do is, cause we could talk about this forever, even without spoilers, but I think we should rate it. I think we should go to a break. We should take a breather, talk about our next beer and then spoil some stuff in this movie that I think would really lubricate our conversation. I'd be interested in that. Definitely. Okay. So again, when we come back from the break, we're going to spoil some stuff. So if you've not seen blind spotting yet, go check it out. Pause this podcast. Come back. Let us know what you think of the movie. But in the meantime, we're going to take a break and talk about our second beer. We're going to rate it first. Yep. Yes, we are. <laughs> you forgot. I did. You're so I, was, excited. I was on a roll. I was like, all right, here we go. It's fine. Sorry. Yes. Yep. Okay. So rating this movie, what do you have? 10. 10? It's a 10 for you? Yep. I'm so excited when you get 10s. I am excited just talking about this movie again. I know, right? Um, I, I'm so bummed. Like ten, Tonight for us is the last night we could have seen it. Yeah. Or t- maybe tomorrow. I'll probably buy it. Yeah, so we're going to have to wait a few months to see it. But. Yeah. No, man. I wouldn't change a thing about this movie. And that's the question we always ask ourselves. That's the 10 question. It is the 10 question. It's like, why isn't it a 10? And yep. I asked myself that question laying in bed last night. Why isn't that movie a 10? And yeah, I, it's, I couldn't come up with anything. So honestly, best movie I've seen this year. Uh, it's a 10. I cannot express how much this movie is amazing. It's important. It puts important issues on a face that you empathize with. Um, And I think sometimes that's difficult for a lot of people in this country because I don't know anyone that lives in Oakland that has gone through this stuff. Do you? Well, maybe not that has gone through this stuff. No. No. I think it's putting a face on a problem and humanizing things a little bit. You know what I mean? And we'll get into it in the danger zone, but the name of the movie blind spotting. Oh yeah. Totally. So powerful. God, I forgot about that. Yeah. And so true. I mean, this movie just feels true and it feels right and accurate. And I liked feeling uncomfortable. Do you like processing emotions 
of other people that I've never empathized with, not never, but like in such a direct way. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, you become endeared to these characters so quickly uh, that it's just such a powerful movie. I will stop ranting about it because no. I know you have some things to say, but that's great. I can't recommend enough. You watch this. I think you should like watch it with your kids. I think everyone should watch this movie. I think yeah, it's I mean, really, 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 really important. Which is not not even to talk about this scene or even like the development of Miles's son, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's a lot to be said about what mm-hmm. that kid sees yeah. and learns and hears. And there's that there's that bit in the trailer where you see that kid going, "No shoot, don't shoot." Um, which I was when I went into the movie, I was like, "Man, I wish they wouldn't have spoiled that." But then when it actually happens in the movie, it hit me so much harder. Right? You like, knew the kid, oof. and that was it. Was painful. Like that was one of those scenes that kind of I the sharp exhale like it yeah borderline took your breath away like oh my god like yeah this is a thing in his reality and it will have to be and that's heartbreaking yeah so powerful yeah man i want to say so i'm going to read you my letterboxd review do it and i gave it four and a half stars and the reason i gave it four and a half stars is i think there was something that was keeping me from five but after this discussion, I can't for the life of me remember what that was. Yeah. So I'm just going to read it. And I said, David Diggs and Rafael Cazal deliver poignant and powerful performances. That's my number one point. They do. Mm-hmm. They are so good in this. And it should not be understated. They're fantastic. Like, Miles is a dangerous time bomb who you love. Yeah. Um, You know, and like, like Colin is... He's also, he's not dangerous at all, Yeah. but everybody in this movie outside of his immediate circle thinks he is, Yeah. which is so tragic because he's not that way at all. It was just because he was the black one. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, there's, we should talk about the standoff between them um, at some point, but I said this movie uh, is stylish and grounded and captures a street level view of Oakland that somehow makes us feel like we're floating above it. Again, I love the portrayal of this community. Mm-hmm in the light that it is cast because it captured all of the beauty of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Without being condescending. No, it didn't make it look dark. It made it look like a neighborhood Yeah, where the cool old lady down the street has a purple house. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it made it look like the neighborhood it is. Yes. It's cool. Blind spotting would receive high marks from me simply for the charisma and lyrical chops of its leads to say nothing of the timely conversations. It's sure to bring up amongst the people who see it. I think I think one of the strengths of this movie, one of the the most powerful strengths, is the fact that it's going to cause conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's again, like like I said with eighth grade, like it's a it's truth about people that will make people talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like our eighth grade danger zone, amazing conversation. Yeah, I think that's so important in a movie. At their best, movies can do that. Yep. So this movie is somewhere between a nine point five and a ten for me. And if I can't think of a reason for it not to be a ten. By the time we start the danger zone, I'm going to amend my decision. I'm going to try to think of what I had. But we should go to a break and come back with our second beer. And Max's rating. And my final official unequivocal rating. And we will be coming back with with heavy spoilers. We're going to really break down this movie deep. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back with our final, final beer and the danger zone. If you have a hankering for a delicious meal and an ice-cold draft beer, you should go down and check out The Handlebar. You absolutely should. That's a craft beer bar and restaurant here in Chico, longtime supporters of this podcast. They have great beer, great food, and most importantly, a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6. Johnny, what is the big deal with their happy hour? Every single day from 2 to 6, you get $1 off any craft beer. So you save a little bit of money, get yourself a great meal, a delicious ice-cold beer, check out their patio. Dogs are welcome. They're all ages now, up until 10, too, so you can bring the whole family. That's right. That's the Handlebar here in Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. Get down there. Grab a beer. Welcome to the Danger Zone. We're about to spoil this movie, say some inappropriate things, and rate our last beer, our yeah. second and final beer. Yeah. So what is this is the weirdest, not weirdest, but in a long time, one of the weirder beers that I've ever seen. Yeah, boy. This is a porter that has been brewed with fruits. Yes. Berries, actually. Blueberries and blackberries, uh, which is the weirdest combination. It's a 6.5% porter that Johnny's going to tell you more about. Right now. Yeah, so this comes from Latitude 33, brewery out of San Diego, California, or as you may know it, Whale's Vagina. Native trails, black and blue. I Okay, I should acknowledge, very funny Anchorman reference, in case anybody's like, Whale's Vagina? <laughs> what are we, what is this? Yeah, all uh, right. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I love that movie. Yeah. What a glass yeah. case of emotion. Yeah. Milk was a terrible decision. <laughs> so out of San Diego. Out of San Diego. 
The style, a porter with fruit. ABV, 6.5%. Let's see what they have to say about this beer. Join us on a rotating flavor experiment. Let me stop you there, because apparently this is a series. Oh. And I've never had any of their other stuff out of the Native Trails series, but it's a series, as far as I can tell. And I might be wrong, but I think I'm right, which is oftentimes how that works. All right. I'm going to read these words on this here paper. Is there a paper? I didn't even hear it. That's so weird. It's crazy. (laughs) Join us on a rotating flavor experiment in this leg of the journey. Native Trails has invigorating notes of blueberry and blackberry that ends with a vibrant finish. We mix it up every couple months, so get it while you can and be on the lookout for the next unparalleled adventure. Boom. (sighs) Okay, so number one, why did you grab this? Why did you pick this particular beer? I wanted to do something from this brewery. Okay. Uh, And they had four or five different options. There was like a honey wheat... There was a hazy, which I'm not going to double up on hazies. Sure. There was, did I say blood orange IPA? Nope. Uh, there was one of those. Pretty sure. So then just a, a nice smattering. And then I was like, ah, I want a dark beer. We usually do a light beer and a dark beer. Sure. This is the only dark beer from them. And it's a nice 16 ounce can. And I said porter. And I'm like, cool. I pick it up. And it said porter with blackberry and blueberry. And I said, I've never had a beer with those things in it. Well, not a porter. At least. Not a porter. Like I've maybe had a stout, but no. Yeah. It, no. It makes me think of like, um, like what like uh, fruit dipped in chocolate, which yeah. I'm not usually a fan of. I like a like a acai. Like yeah, a nice exactly. chocolate covered like acai. Have you had those? I'm saying I like them, and it's good. Yeah. Huh. That surprises me. I like acai. Yeah, I do too. But like in a smoothie, maybe. No, they're nice. They're just like um, just like chocolate covered blueberries. Really good. It's like when people chocolate cover espresso beans. Like, I love espresso, but I don't know. Well, when you eat them, it's basically just um, like a mocha in your mouth. It's yeah, just I, coffee I guess and that's chocolate. the idea, but except you know? the coffee is not roasted. Like, it's not steeped or it's not. Roasted, yeah, you know? but it's you like, get that strong flavor. Like, those are actually really good. I'm a huge fan of those. Speaking of being a huge fan, <laughs> your face. I, no, no, no. My face was wrong. Woo! It's um, It's something. Oh, yeah. Your it, face looked super skeptical. Yeah, it. I am skeptical still. It's, it's, um, Hmm. Very berry. You should drink this while I'm talking because you're going to have a lot to say. All right. I'm going to try it out. But it's, um, no, it's, it's very berry forward. Um, I mean, there's some chocolate and roasty notes, but it's like, oh, hello. That's a chocolate covered blueberry. Yes. Um, and I don't like it, man. I don't like it as much. Uh, I like it exactly as much as I thought I might. Yeah. Um, it's, it's too fruit forward for me. I, I could maybe appreciate a porter that had a fruit kind of back note, but this is like, hello, just all berries all day. All berries all the time. Do you like it? Yeah. Mm. It's different, man. It's real different. Uh, I was expecting it to taste kind of like a chocolate-covered blueberry, and it really it gets Does. that. Yeah. yeah. Do you get more blueberry or blackberry? Blueberry. Yeah, same. Yeah. Hmm. Tons of blueberry. Interesting. Like a blueberry muffin dipped in coffee. Yeah. Or like a, like a blueberry biscotti of some kind. Yeah. Right. Dipped, dunked in coffee. Because you get the roastiness from the, the porter. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a little bit of um, over, over ableness, which is a term I've just made up. You coined that. Yeah. To describe the feeling I get when beers just add things for the sake of adding them because they can. What was the word? I don't remember. Over <laughs> <laughs> uh, ableness. Okay. Right. Please define that word in your mind. Well. They're overly able to add things to their beer, so they sh- they they realize they could exactly. So they you didn't think they should. So we have a back back beer somewhere. It's in the it's in the uh, the annals. No, it's in the cellar. Yes, uh, and it's the big ass money stout, right? Oh yes. And you told me that beer was brewed with pizza and money. Yes, cold pizza. Gross and money. I wouldn't have bought it if I knew that, but I didn't know yes. that. So that's a that's a prime example. Exactly. Uh, you can, but should you? Like you could, you could throw mold into beer. You could throw moldy bread in garbage, mm-hmm. and like somebody would buy it. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't think it, my point is. I don't think it adds anything necessarily. This is too fruity for me, and it's not really a porter at this point. It's a weird experimental beer that is fruity and kind of chocolatey and mostly overwhelming to my at this moment very conservative palate. I like it. All right. It's ridiculously fruity. Yeah. But it's got like that fruit and chocolate thing happening. It's thin, as is most porters. I mean, it, it's really like 
porters and brown ales are very, very similar. Yeah, except I love like almost every brown ale. I'm like, that's great. I would almost classify this as like a brown ale with fruit. I don't know technically what the difference is between a porter and a brown ale, and I would love to know that. Um, if only there were someone that could Google it while I'm talking. Sure. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. This is a hefty research assignment for young Maxwell. We'll see. I don't know, man. It's um, it's kind of as advertised just because it is insanely berry forward. I really do like the roasty notes from the, the, the roasted malt that is in the porter. I'm wondering if that's the difference is the malt. Like there's more roasted malt in a porter than a brown ale because brown ales are traditionally more sweeter and less like roasty and robust. Like uh, if a brown ale was a cup of coffee, it'd be a light roast. And like a porter would be like a medium roast and a stout would be like a dark roast. Well, I'm going to get back to this, but I, I wanted to contribute a little bit before I research it. So like stouts, um, stouts wasn't, I learned this. I can't remember how I learned this, um, but stouts were not a type of beer for a long time. What would happen, you know, a porter is somebody who uh, was like, a sh- oh, I'm going to mess this up. But a porter was a profession. To be a porter was somebody who uh, would like work things. on the rivers, right? And they would bring things into port. I was going to say work in a port. Correct. Um, and then porters were very strong, bulky men as that was like the thing. So they would go into their taverns and they would order beers, but they were like mixed beers, like a suicide mm. to quote like old fast food yeah. soda pop. <laughs> right. Um, and, and what, what those drinks would be called then instead of a suicide, they didn't have, I guess they didn't have that lingo for a soda pop beverage, obviously. So they would call them stout porters. And it would be a stout beer for a porter who was a person. I mean, slowly but surely that developed into the style that we now call porter, which is like a stout, but different. It's interesting because those, was it maybe mixing with a brown ale or something? Because that brown color had to come from somewhere and the roasted malts are what gives any dark beer its color. So I feel like they would have had, I mean, English style bitters are very brown in color and they are very old. So maybe something like that. We should do just a podcast on the history of beer sometime. I think we should uh, we should write that down because that's a really good idea. Yeah, I would be happy to dedicate like a segment to the history of that even style. an episode like that. That well, we'll see. If we got like a guest that we're an expert on. Yeah, we're doing that thing where we plan the podcast right, on the right, podcast right, right. again. Let's talk more about this beer. Yeah, because I'm I think that's a very complicated answer. Than yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that someday. Sure. I would love to learn the difference in my industry. I should know. So. Tell me why you like or dislike this beer, and let's rate it. Okay, so what I do like is the the porter aspects of it. I like there's a bit of coffee and a little bit of kind of chocolatey roastiness, but I think it's extremely overpowered by the berry qualities. It's getting better as it warms up. I actually believe that. Maybe I should wait. I, I won't finish this yet. I'll let that sit for a minute. But um, <clears throat> it's it's flirting too close to the line of like a frambois. Honestly, like it's very sweet and very berry-ish, and I don't love it. Um the body is great. It's got the mouthfeel I would expect, similar to like a brown ale or a porter, mm-hmm. but but the flavors are not there for me. What about you? I think it's exactly as advertised, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think it really marries the blueberry flavor with the, the roastiness and all the robust, dark flavors of a porter very well. As okay. always, I would love it if it was a bit more girthy in the mouthfeel. Burping. Excuse me. Uh, but... I really like the way it tastes. It's 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 nice. It reminds me of a chocolate covered blueberry, which is a, a nice treat that I enjoy myself. So this is very reminiscent of that. And I think they kind of captured the feeling of that overall. So I, I'm gonna say I like it. Okay. I think maybe it's just a taste thing because I think I will admit this is done well for what it's trying to be. I just don't like what it is. <laughs> so I'm gonna give this beer a three. Wow. I know. Hard in the paint. Yeah, it's not good, man. Yeah. For me, I don't like it. Um, that said, if you're somebody like Johnny who likes the idea of a chocolate covered blueberry, I think this is for you. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably really tasty. Yeah, I'm gonna give it uh, a seven point three. Oh, okay. So it's like, eh, okay, it's yeah, good. It's, it's all right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it has that thinness. Sure. And that's that's something that you're gonna have to get over. Uh, if you can, and just take it for what it is, as as a, a th- kind of a watered watered down feeling in your mouth sure. type beer. Uh, it's really interesting. I think it's worth uh, at least a discussion over a share. So that's my rating for this beer, and that's your rating for this beer. And it's, it's be- also worth noting, this is about $3 for a pint. That's not bad. Which is not bad. So if you do like these flavors together, this is a great buy. Yeah. Uh, in Chico, we found it at SNS Produce. Yeah. 
And I mean, it might still be there. What's three bucks? Right. Go down there and try, try it out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Okay. So again, that's eno- you want to. I was going to say enough about this beer. I want to have a discussion with you about this movie. Deal. I was just going to remind people again. That's Native Trails Black and Blue by Latitude Thirty Three out of San Diego. If you want to get it, please do so. Let well, us know what you think. March on down to Wales, vagina. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, back to the movie. Back to blind spotting. Where do you want to go, man? There's so many avenues we could take it. Let's talk about our favorite scenes. I think I talked about mine. I'd love to hear yours. Uh, I think I have like seven favorite scenes. I know, dude. But the one I spoke about was um, was up there. I loved every scene that he was jogging. Yeah. Oh, uh, especially the last one. <sighs> Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of them. And maybe we'll we'll be more explicit on that in a minute. But but also like the scene where where Miles a kid finds the gun. Yeah. I almost started crying. Like I almost it, it's so visceral. There's a scene where so Miles bought this gun from the beginning. You heard it in the trailer, the the Uber with seven guns in it, right? Mm-hmm. Miles buys one, leaves it somewhere in his house. His little kid finds the kid's like four. Mm-hmm. Finds it is like playing with it, sitting on the the living room floor, like a meat like slowly towards his mouth like looking at it right down oh, his eye and we all know what's gonna happen and it doesn't happen thankfully but like oh same as like with eighth grade everybody tensed up like during that kind of rapey scene mm-hmm. just oh yeah and it didn't have me it's oh so physically tense yeah that scene was just so real and so scary yeah and obviously the last scene where where um what the heck's his name uh, Miles or Colin? No, Colin, thank you. Where Colin finally, he, they're doing their final moving job and they realize it's at the house of the cop who shot the unarmed black dude. Oh, that's the crescendo. Oh, of this man. Movie. He's got like this, it's like two and a half minutes of him just like just spitting verse and yelling yeah, and it's, screaming. It's and so powerful. It was just such an outpouring of every strong emotion that he had about this guy and yeah. him feeling, you know, you could just tell he's like, I haven't been able to say shit yeah. about this for days and it's consuming him and it just, erupts in a volcanic proportion and it's the only time you ever see miles look shaken yeah like you see him standing in the background like oh Oh, fuck fuck. this could go crazy yeah like you're about to kill a cop you could tell yeah he was like oh no and i remember thinking like that scene lasts for so long with this gun pointed at that police officer it's like this could go either way yeah like you would never expect this from colin Mm -hmm. but in that moment you're like I get it. Like I could see why that might happen. Yeah. And that dude had changed his life so much in an instant Mm -hmm. and he got to confront him face to face. Yeah. Like how often do you actually get to confront the source of your trauma? I thought it was interesting too, that Colin does. Obviously there's like that line you heard in the trailer was like, I'm not a killer. Mm -hmm. And he leaves. And then the cop is like, um, I didn't mean to. And he says that to miles. Miles is like, are you sure? Which is like such a, fucking profound thing right about like our inner consciousness and yeah. and what like our prejudices yeah are you sure you didn't mean to sure yeah you sure you're not subtly racist mm-hmm. a little bit and i oh I, I don't know and maybe not everybody's gonna think that about that scene but i mean it's it, pretty loud and clear to me it points towards that feeling just because the cop was like obviously distraught before yeah like he was crying a lot like his yeah. family looked like he's kind of leaving him because all of his stuff's still there yeah, and i appreciated that too i appreciated this movie dealt with all of its characters with some degree of nuance. Like it wasn't like the cop is just an evil black hater person. Like he was definitely probably racist for doing that and, and was not right. And, but then like he was dealing with it as well. Yeah. And his family was leaving him and he was kind of losing his wife and his kid. It's tough, man. Yeah. There's, there's so many sides to every story. Yeah. It's crazy. This is a good movie. It's so intense. Yeah. And I really like both of these main characters. They're so endearing, and you love them both, like you said, just for some vastly different reasons. Yeah. So well acted. And they're yeah. both gifted, mm-hmm. super, super talented musicians. Yeah. Really good. The uh, if In case you're wondering, the music that you heard under our last commercial before The Danger Zone was a song that they both sang on, mm-hmm. rapped on. Um, that And I don't... What is that from? Is it just promo for this movie? No, it's from the soundtrack of the movie. Oh, is it from the soundtrack? Yeah. Okay, great. They're uh, they're both yeah very gifted like you're saying yeah song called Easy Come Easy Go from the original motion picture soundtrack word yeah it's so good man. they did all the music yeah yeah it's, yeah it's very good I didn't mm-hmm. realize they did all of it um, like almost every song on the soundtrack mm-hmm. was them that's crazy yeah yeah this movie dealt with race a lot too 
Just for with, sure. with with them being best friends, one black, one white, and then also Miles get... being a white man married to a black woman, yeah, having a mixed race child. Just that was so funny. There's a line in here where she's trying to get him, her, trying to get Miles to agree to let their son go to like a, you know, like a more expensive kindergarten, mm-hmm. and then she's like, yeah, was... but they're bilingual. He's like, why is he got to be bilingual? He's already biracial, which is very funny. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, man, like that confrontation they have, um, Miles and Colin. Um, after that party where he shoots the gun and, and gets in that crazy fight. We should talk about that party. Yeah. I mean, and just that, because that was really the, the culmination of the whole gentrification issue yes. in the character's universe. Cause it's also set pretty early. Like they keep getting these text notifications like, Oh, we got a coworkers party tonight. And like, you want to go? <laughs> no, you? Nope. And then, uh, the gun scene happens with the kid and Ashley, who is, uh, the guy you mentioned earlier, she plays by, Jasmine Cephas Jones, and she's like, get out, Miles and Colin. Get out. You're not welcome here. He's like, oh, you know, fuck it. We're going to go to this party. So tensions are high. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, well, and it was fascinating. Sorry to interrupt. No. Um, Miles specifically said, I do not want to go to some party where shit will be popping off. Colin my, said that. Yeah, Colin. Colin. This, sorry, two Miles. Yes. This is my last night on probation. Like, I can't be going to parties where shit could get crazy. And right. Miles says to him, you know, it's like a hipster party. Right. Nothing's what gonna could go happen. wrong. No, nothing's gonna pop off, and it. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but might as well. Miles was the shit that popped off. Right. Like so, his tensions are high, and like so, at one point, Colin and Miles separate, and and Colin's hanging out with, with some other African American people, and Miles is on his own, and Miles on his own is kind of offensive. We have to set the stage for the party a little bit too. Well, it's a it's like a bunch of white hipster people. Yeah, they went. They rolled up to a hipster party. Yeah, like. Yeah. You know the the scene where they're like matching they're, tattoos. Yeah, they're eating hummus, and their shirts are, you know, whatever yeah. hipster shirts are. Yeah, Miles has a tattoo of the state of California with Oakland highlighted with a star in his mm-hmm. neck, and the guy that's hosting the party is like, "Bro, matching tattoos." Right. He's like, "I moved here from Portland a year ago. Right. I oh. found my home." Oh, it's just. I think yeah. you audibly said, Bleh. "Yeah, I think it." <laughs> but then Miles is in the kitchen, and um, one of one of Colin's coworkers comes up, or I guess they're all coworkers, I suppose. But I th- for some reason, they didn't know. No, I think it Miles. was the the lady that invited them to the party. Yeah. It was one of her. Oh, okay, for sure. Yeah, somebody she knew. So then Miles is chilling in the kitchen, um, and he says something because one of, one of the black dudes walks up from Colin's group, and he's like says something, and I don't know what he says. But then the dude's like, "Hey, you don't have to get her to hang out with us." And like pats him on the back pretty hard, mm-hmm. and walks away, and like Miles starts steaming. And the dude comes back in the kitchen. Miles shoves him, turns into a huge fucking fight. Yeah, and they just like just like fight club Jared Leto f- level stuff out in the driveway. Yeah, because the heart of the fight was kind of about um, just the Oakland in general, and like how Miles didn't have to act hard, but like Miles grew up there. Yeah, and like he was harder just from living yeah. where he lived. Like yeah. this is who he is. Yeah, they're like basically you don't have to you don't have to act the, the you don't have to act the way you are just because feel like you have to like yeah it was an insult to miles because they basically said he was pretending yeah basically. and it was in fact who he is to the core yeah and he felt like he needed to defend that which leads to the confrontation that happens after that anyways they miles beats they have that fight miles wins he pulls out a gun shoots it a few times Colin's like dude quit it takes him away takes mm-hmm. his gun a huge fight verbally in some you know parking lot yeah um, and like have this really poignant talk about race and like what it means to be each other. Yeah. Um, it's very powerful. And then, then Colin takes his gun, keeps it in his pocket, he's walking and then a fucking cop rolls up and we all, again, like we know what's going to happen. This yeah. movie's great at that. It's like great at subverting our expectations at the last second being like, okay, no, this person can live. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I guess I'm stressed. Yep. And there's, there's this underlying love story too which is important throughout sure. the whole movie yes it's not like a central theme but it, it's definitely important yeah yeah so there's this gal val who used to date colin mm-hmm. and this comes back to like the hipsters being flammable thing mm. there was a crazy fight that happened do you want to talk about this you brought yeah. it up you oh talk. yeah we should definitely okay you go um so we never really get the full explanation as to why colin ever went to jail uh and it happens to be a crazy story that gets told in a very uncomfortable way for Colin. Yeah. Um, to set the stage, his 
now ex-girlfriend is the secretary slash like logistics lady at the front desk of the moving company where Colin and Miles work. Her name is Val. She's played by Janina Gavincar. Yes. Uh, and they have not been together since he was incarcerated. And you get the story third hand from someone that actually witnessed it while it happened. Um, while Miles, not Miles, sorry, Colin yeah. was working at like a, a door guy, as right? a bouncer yeah. type door guy at a bar. And it's just this kind of a long elaborate story, but like the, the too long didn't read version is that Miles and Colin beat up a hipster that ordered a flaming punch bowl drink and wait, tried to like wait. Take... I don't think that's the right way to say it. No. Well, because I think the the too long to read too long didn't read version is that some drunk hipster dude came out of their club with a fiery bowl mm-hmm. of drink and then shoved Colin. Yeah, it's not like Colin started the fight. They didn't yeah. just fight this dude. Exactly. He was being a prick. Yeah. Okay. And said, you know, I want to go show my friends this drink and. You know, Colin says, you can't leave the bar with it. One thing's lead to another. They're kicking the guy in the head while he's on the ground. Pretty intensely. Like, rough. And like it's, At this point, it's mostly Miles? They were pretty, they were yeah. both in on it pretty yeah. good. Uh, but Miles was standing up, like, kicking the guy. So. Also, the guy's on fire. Yeah. The, the, the drink spilled and the fire spread, and apparently there was some high APP alcohol in there because he caught on fire. Yep. Which explains the hipsters are so flammable joke. Correct. Now, not as funny. Not as funny. Yeah. And you kind of hear, you're hearing all this from the third person of this other character telling the story, and you pan back and you see Miles or Colin. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. And he's looking at this guy and looking at Val, and, and she's like, yeah. It happened exactly that way. Yeah. And then pan back into his memories and you see her standing in the door of the bar. Yeah, staring. Like staring. Oh my God. I can't believe I almost forgot this. We should talk about really quickly. Um, if you're done with that. Yeah. That was how that all went down. And that explains why Val isn't with him. Right. And it's kind of alluded to later. All she can see is kind of the aftermath of that fight when she looks God, at him. We got to talk about two things. Okay. I'm going to write that down. We got to talk about blind spotting. Yes. Obviously. Um, but there's a theme in this movie that's introduced pretty early on, pretty um, passively. They have a moving project job where there's this, there's this photographer who captures people's eyes. He's like, the eyes are, it's truth. That's what people are. Mm-hmm. So like so many shots following that are just, they linger on people's eyes. So like when Val comes out of the bar, it's just her eyes. And they keep throughout the movie, they're getting closer and closer just to people's eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a thing that happens so much in this movie. I felt remiss not to talk about it, even to the point where the final painting they pack up and they put in the truck, the dude's eyes are blocked out. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I love that shot. Yeah, me so too. Good. Just closing the door of a moving truck was a powerful yeah. shot. Says, was there a scene in this movie that wasn't powerful? No, not really. Like, no, for what it was going to be, no. Yeah. There was a very powerfully funny or like like the buying the ten dollar juice. Mm-hmm. Like how much is it? Ten bucks. What? <laughs> Let me have one. So great. That says blind spotting is what I meant to write down. Yep. Just so you know. So let's finish this discussion by talking about the name of the movie. Yeah, because maybe you've seen Train Spotting, mm-hmm. and you're like, "What does this have to do with that movie? Nothing." You idiot! Get out of here. Who are you? <laughs> me? No, it has nothing to do with that. Uh, blind spotting is a term in psychology, which I didn't know, and Johnny's going to explain. Oh, cool. Thanks. Go ahead. (laughs) So there's this um, picture in one of her psychology books, Val. Val's psychology books. And at one point, Colin's getting his hair braided by Val because she does it best. You know how that works. Yeah. Um, His ex-girlfriend just has has to touch. It's fine. Um, So he's helping her memorize things for her psychology class. And there's this picture. We've all seen this picture, by the way. Yeah. it's, It's one of those pictures that can be one thing or the other, depending on what you focus on. So it's either like a vase or two faces looking at each other. Right. And they kind of he discussed that a little bit and talk it not not too in depth, but just she kind of explains the psychology behind it. Like you kind of see what you want to see and kind of leaves it at that. Like just explains the the psychology of the exp- of the little picture. Um so fast forward to pretty much the end of the movie. Yes. And my uh Colin calls up Val. Mm-hmm. And they're talking, and it's a very tense conversation. He's kind of struggling for words. You can tell he's pretty emotional. Because this is right after uh, he's pointed the gun at the cop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's heightened incredibly emotionally. It's it's intense. Um, and he finally gets the sentence out, and 
I don't remember how exactly how well, this conversation. Well, Help me out here. Well, because so like he made a joke. You should call it, and I can't remember what he told her to call it. Yeah, like zippity, spippity, yeah, some, something, some slangs to help her remember. That was the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "All right, well, what did you end up calling the vase face vase facing? That's what, That's it, what was. it was. Vase face. That's what he yeah, suggested. Face. He's like, "What did you call it?" And she goes, "Well, I called it blind spotting, because it's a term for when um, no matter what is actually there, people will only see one thing." Mm. And then I hit him hard, and he's like, "Okay." I think that hit all of us hard. For sure. Yeah. And he's like, Val, when you see me, do you see the fight first? Like this one horribly mistaken moment of his life, is that all she sees? And she doesn't answer. And he's like, all right, good night. And he hangs up. Yeah. Again, so much commentary on like what that police officer probably saw in the guy that he shot. Yeah. Like one thing that is probably not even his control. He was programmed by society probably mm-hmm. to think that this dude is bad. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. Very powerful. It was, man. And it was kind of what Colin has dealt with his whole life. And what was kind of one of the central themes of this movie was mm-hmm. that he, it's so funny. Like he says it so many times that between Miles and him, Miles is the crazy one yeah, that's looking it, for problems, but he's the one that the cops are going to shoot. Right. If they Everybody roll up. thinks because he's black. Yeah. That's what, and he looks like what white cops will think is a bad guy. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. Crazy. Such a powerful theme. Yeah. So well done. Yeah. Rate this movie, man. I'm sticking with 9.5. All right. Yeah. Why not I, a 10? I don't have my reason. All right. Um, but I, I was thinking on the break, there was something, and I might think of it one day. Um, and maybe it's just the fact that, like, I don't know that I can watch this movie again easily. Yeah. It's so powerful. I want to watch it right now. I do, too. But it's going to be hard. Like, it's going to put more you, strain on me. But you would. Yeah. If I had a DVD of this right now, we'd totally stay up all night and watch it. I think that's true. Yep. Which is why we think you should watch this movie. Yep. If you can find blind spotting showing anywhere near you, please go watch it. If not, it'll come out on DVD sooner or later, or you can stream it on something, I imagine, uh, and do that. And then let us know what you think. And let us know what you think of any beers, especially if they're craft. We'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. In the meantime, that person is your, sorry, what do you do? What is your claim to fame, sir? Oh, I hadn't even thought about it. You I was so wrapped fast. up in the movie. Uh, I'm an ex-professional mover. And Okay, nice. Johnny Summers. Okay, and I am a guitar string lassoer. I use my guitar strings to lasso steer in the rodeo. Tiny, tiny steer. Mm-hmm. And my name is Max Minardi. Thank you so much for tuning in to Fresh Up Cinema, and we'll see you next week. This has been a great episode. Adios. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.